0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's word. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This is message number three in the series that we're calling Man Overboard. We need some more people going overboard for the Lord. And uh, certainly in that verse that Jesus was, uh, Jesus was speaking, he was speaking about eternal life, but I'm trying to show you that this abundance can come now in this life, in our Christian life here on earth. How many of you remember growing up and you would walk past the kitchen and your mom was cooking something, maybe your favorite meal? Now mine was spaghetti and my mom would make her own spaghetti sauce and she would let that cook and the longer it cooked, the flavors got to know each other and it was just wonderful the the verse that says taste and see that the Lord was good it was talking about that right there and I would always go up to mom and say mom can I have just a little bit of the sauce before before dinner can I try just a little bit of it and she would ladle it into a bowl and I would just I would just eat the sauce like it was soup and I'm trying to tell you in this series right here one day we are going to have an incredible eternity in heaven with Jesus serving him forever and ever but now we can have a little taste We can have a little taste of heaven now because we can have abundant life now in Jesus. We talked about the first week. We shouldn't just have love for God. We shouldn't just have love for others and for brothers. We should abound in it. We should have abundant love. Last week, we saw how simply living as a Christian in a wicked world would bring abundant suffering. Many believers are happy with being less of a Christian because that often means having, uh, having less suffering, but God promises any suffering we face for his name, he'll always give us consolation to see us through it. We talked about Stephen. Stephen faced great suffering during his Christian life. Uh, he could have backed away. He could have told the Sanhedrin, look, I don't want any trouble, just let me go and you'll never hear from me again. But he didn't, he stood strong. And it was through his suffering that he saw Jesus like he had never seen him before. It was through suffering that Jesus stood on his behalf. It was through suffering that I believe Saul was eventually saved. And I believe one million times over, Stephen would say, through my abundant suffering, and though I had abundant suffering, God saw it, God saw it, that I would have abundant consolation as well. And I don't think Stephen would change anything. Tonight, I wish to speak to us on the subject of abounding in peace. Why do we so often live this life? Or very little peace at all. Psalm 72 was written by David for Solomon. It's a psalm that pictures the ideal king a king that would rule in righteousness, a king that would rule in justice. And this Psalm fulfilled a dual purpose for David. David wrote it first of all because he wanted to express his prayer for Solomon. Many people believe this is the last Psalm that David ever wrote, mostly because of the last verse of the Psalm. And you can go ahead and look at it right now. It says the prayers of David are ended. So many believe that this is the last Psalm that he wrote and he wrote it right before he died and he wanted to express his prayer for Solomon. He prayed that Solomon would be a righteous and a just king over Israel. The second purpose was for David to show what the reign of Messiah would look like. David had high hopes for Solomon. Unfortunately, we know Solomon crushed those hopes because he turned from God later in his life. But David also knew that one day a king would come from his line, that would reign in righteousness, and would reign in justice. He knew someday a king was going to come that was going to fill every, every jot and tittle of Psalm chapter 72. And that's our Jesus. Jesus, who said of himself in his ministry, Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is the king of Psalm 72. He says in Matthew, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He has but to say the word. you realize that? He has but to say the word. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. That's an H amen right there. Amen. But let's be reminded tonight, we can live now as if Christ was reigning in Jerusalem. Because now as we live, Christ can reign in your heart. In Luke, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. So we look forward to the day when the kingdom of God will be outward and observable. Lord, haste the day, even so come Lord Jesus. But in looking forward, don't overlook that now. Now the kingdom of God is in effect, maybe not outward and observable, but certainly inward and spiritual. So the benefits that will one day come to every believer when Jesus reigns in an outward and observable way in his his reign for all eternity, those benefits can come now if we simply allow Jesus to reign in our heart the way that we're supposed to let him reign. And one of the benefits of the reign of Jesus Christ is talked about in Psalm 72, verse 7. In his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. It's cloudy out, but I'm guessing the moon is still out there tonight. I think we would have heard something about the tides in the bay. The moon is still out there, okay? Uh, So as long as the moon endureth, we can have peace. Not just peace, abundance of peace. Now, as Christians, we can never lose our peace with God. Understand that. We can never lose our peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can't lose that because we can't lose our salvation. But we can lose the peace of God. Never can lose our peace with God. Can lose our peace of God. God's desire for every child of his is to have abundant Peace. So why then do we live so often without that peace? Be honest. The majority of our lives are spent in abundant fear and not in abundant peace. Abundant cares, not abundant peace. Abundant anxiety, not abundant peace. Why? Why is that the case? And I want to answer that question tonight with some lessons from Philippians chapter 4. Can we turn there? Philippians chapter 4. I have looked forward to this message. This message came to me 3 o'clock in the morning, Monday night. I call them M&Ms, middle of the night messages. I've gotten a handful and it's amazing that during the middle of the night I'll, I'll start writing it down in my notes and then I'll wake up <laughs> the next morning and think, uh, I have no idea, <laughs> it makes no sense at all and then I'll just delete it. But, This one made sense. I hope so. Abounding in peace. Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 6 with me. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren. Oh, and by the way, look at chapter 3, verse 1. What's the first word of that chapter there? Finally, and here Paul again in chapter 4, verse 8, saying, finally, that's how you know Paul was a Baptist preacher. So, Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things, which ye have both learned, and received, and heard, and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. I needed this passage this week. It doesn't matter who we are, it is so easy for us to lose the peace of God. And the problem with that is when we lose our peace, the next step is to lose our purpose. Christians all around the world are handicapping themselves in their service to the Lord because they've lost their peace. When you lose your peace, you lose your purpose. I don't know what you're going through tonight, but if you've lost your peace, don't you want to get it back? Don't you want to get your peace of God back? If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need peace with God to begin with. But if you have that, don't you want your peace of God? And not just want it, don't you want to abound in it? And if you want to, you have to remember some lessons. Number one, remember the lesson of nothing. Remember the lesson of nothing. What does verse six start with? Be careful for nothing. It doesn't say be fearful for nothing, although fear can certainly rob us of peace. It doesn't say be anxious for nothing, although anxiety can certainly rob us of peace. God brings it down to the simplest of terms, be careful for nothing. Think about this with me. Every fear is a care. Not every care is a fear. Every anxiety is a care. But not every care is wrapped in anxiety. Should we live in fear? No. Should we live in anxiety? Certainly not. What is anxiety? Constant, fervent care and worry. So should we live in that? No. But God is teaching us something. He's teaching us that anything that brings even the smallest amount of care can rob us of our peace. Be careful for nothing. I love watching Survivor Man. That survivor that survivor show. Anybody don't give me that. He's better than Bear Grylls and you know it. Okay? I love watching Survivor Man. And he just goes out, no camera crew, for like seven days and just tries not to die. (laughs) It's fantastic. Um, But there's this one where he's in the desert. He's in the desert. And he's about to track across the desert because there's no water where he is. And I remember something that he said when I was studying for this. He's about to get walking and he stops and he sits down and he takes his boot off. And he says, "I I have something in my shoe. I need to get it out. And he said, you need to remember, I'm about to cross this desert. And can the desert kill me? Yes, certainly it can. But so can the grain of sand in my shoe. I need to get it out. And a lot of times we focus on all these big things, the fears and the anxieties. And no, we don't need to live in fear and we don't need to live in anxiety. But the smallest of care can also rob us of our peace. Be careful for nothing. Stop. So... From the greatest of fears to the smallest of cares, God says, stop worrying about all of it. That's what God says. To which we say, that's impossible, (laughs) right? How can I stop caring about financial struggles? How can I stop caring about wayward children? How can I stop caring about my child off at Bible college, or my questions, or my job situation, or my marital situation? issues or my family strife or my country's division, how can I stop caring about that? How can I stop caring about what the future may bring? I have to, uh, you have to what? Take thought for your life? Didn't Jesus say, oh, it hurts. Take no thought for your life. Take no thought for tomorrow. And Jesus said, "This don't you believe your heavenly Father knows that you have need of those things already? Why don't you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness?" I remember the story of the feeding of the five thousand, or four thousand. Excuse me, feeding of the four thousand. And Jesus looks at this crowd of four thousand. What we, from what we understand, just the men, four thousand. So who knows? Let's say possibly ten thousand people. And Jesus looks at him and then looks at his disciples. Let's feed them. <laughs> and what do the disciples do? <laughs> how, how 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 are we gonna feed them? How are we gonna feed them? We don't have any we don't have enough bread. You know, there's not enough bread in the whole city in order to feed all these people. What are we supposed to do? And, and, and worry and fear and worry and fear and care, 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 care. And Jesus looks at him and goes, How many loaves have ye? Seven and a few little fish. Give them to me. And look what Jesus did with it. Seven baskets left over. So church, stop worrying and stop caring about what we don't have and start looking at what we do have and we have Jesus. And as long as we have Jesus, be careful for nothing. Cast all your care upon him because where there is worry, there is no peace. Now we sit here and we say amen, we shake our head, we sit here and we say we know that's right. We know that's right, but then we still sit here and say that's impossible. Now it's not impossible, it's not, but it is impossible unless you remember the next lesson. So first remember the lesson of nothing, second remember the lesson of everything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We can either choose to be careful for something or be prayerful for something. We cannot do both. As much as care can replace prayer, prayer can replace care. The only way we can ever hope to be careful for nothing is if we are prayerful for everything. It's the only way it can work. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, because we don't get it. People say, I feel silly or I feel selfish praying to God about small stuff. To which I ask you, what could we ever pray for that God would consider big? Just pray in everything. Everything. Pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says. A preacher said about this, if a thing, oh, this is good. If a thing is great enough to make me care, it's great enough for me to talk to God about it. Right? If a thing is great enough to make me care, not necessarily fear, not necessarily be anxious, just to care about it. It's great enough for me to talk to God about it. Another one said this, if God and I are on terms of friendship, and intimacy of communication. There will be no question as to what I am to talk about with him. I shall not be able to keep silent as to anything that even remotely interests me, let alone worries me. No wonder so many Christians live without the peace of God because where there is care, there is no peace. And where there is no peace, there is no prayer. Now maybe you say, Pastor, I can admit I'm worried. I, I guarantee you I can say, raise your hand if you're worried about something right now, and probably everybody would, okay? So we can admit that we're worried. Let's just do it. How many of you are worried about something? Okay, you're all wrong with God, so you got to get right with God, okay? that we're admitting, and I'm, I'm raising my hand too. Be careful for nothing, and we're failing at that. <laughs> and we fail often, okay? How many of us are worried? How many of us can admit we are careful for many things, okay? How many of us can admit that it's wrong? It's wrong that we should do that, okay? How many of us would go even farther and say, sometimes the care is so great, I don't even know what to pray? Have you ever felt that way? Oh, certainly. Here's where the next lesson will help. What was the first one? Remember the lesson of? Nothing. Second, remember the lesson of? Everything. Everything. Third, remember the lesson of thanksgiving. I hope this is practical and helpful for you. Remember the lesson of thanksgiving. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. First Thessalonians 5.18 echoes this lesson by saying, in everything, give thanks. I know what it's like to feel burdened by something. Burdened down with care. I know what it's like to lose sleep because of worry. I know what it's like to feel your heart in your stomach. I know what it's like to kneel in prayer or try to pray in bed or or in the car or at work because you know you're supposed to pray, right? So you remember and you go, okay, I'm going to. And then you don't know what to say. I know how it feels to be so filled with care. You don't even want to pray. And it's at that moment, you must, you must remember this lesson. Remember the lesson of thanksgiving. There will be times when we don't even know what to ask. But have you ever had a time where you couldn't thank God for something? Have you ever been at a loss for words when you thought for even a moment of God's goodness in your life? Ever. Every prayer that has soared high above the clouds to the throne room of God has found its wings on Thanksgiving. How many of you remember driving an old manual transmission car? All right? One of my first cars was a purple Ford Escort. Miss Libby, can you stand up for me? That color purple. I called it the Barney Mobile. I was this close to painting the hood green. So that, it was awful, okay? Now, one thing I never had to do is what some of you had to do. How many of you ever got into that manual transmission car and you went to start it up, you turned the key and nothing? Now, maybe it was a bad battery or a battery problem. Maybe it was a damaged starter or a blown ignition fuse or a faulty ignition switch. I don't know. But you turn that key and nothing happened. You know what it's time for? Push start. Push start. Teenagers, you know what a push start is? You have no clue, do you? What gear do you put it in? No clue at all. Not in first gear. Well, bam! Trust me, you learn that the hard way when dad just, I don't know, son, just figure out a gear to put it in. Okay, put it in second gear, right? And you got to have the clutch down. And hopefully on a hill that's, that's downhill and you got to have some good friends. And they push you and you start getting on a roll. And then what do you do? Pop the clutch. And you got to pop the clutch at the right time so that it engages that flywheel. Then vroom. And then you make sure that you do not turn the car off. Until you reach your destination, because you will have to do it again. Have you ever felt like you went to pray, and you turned the key, and nothing happened? Let Thanksgiving give you a push, okay? Start thanking God for who he is. Doesn't matter what you care about, God is still God, right? Right? Thank him for who he is. Thank God for what he's done for you. Start thanking him for the blessings that he has given you since he came into your life. Start, start thanking him about how he sent his own son to die for your wretched soul and cleanse your heart with his own blood. Thank him for giving you breath. Thank You may not want to be alive that day, but thank him for giving you breath. Thank him for giving you joy. And before you know it, you're on a roll. And you start thanking him for who he is and for his deliverance in the past. And then you think, wait, he has delivered me in the past. And actually, he's still good to me today. And you start thanking him for all that. You thank him for freedom and your family and a roof over your head and clothes to wear and food to eat and a church home and a Bible and transportation. Even if you do have to give it a push start, you thank him for it. An opportunity to serve the king of kings. And the next thing you know, God pops the clutch. And your prayer is able to go forward. Because Thanksgiving reminds us, if God took care of me back then, and he's still taking care of me now, he's going to take care of me tomorrow. The God delivered will deliver again. It is amazing what praising can do. When you bow your head in prayer and you say, God, I'm, I'm so burdened down with care. And I'm fearful and troubled on many things. My heart is heavy, and I know it shouldn't be. I'm caring for many things and I know what's wrong. I've lost my peace and I know that's my doing and I don't even know what to pray. Just start thanking Him. Just start thanking Him. You know what might happen at the end of your prayer? God might look back at you and say, why did you come? Why did you come in the first place? What what can I help you with? And you may just forget why you came. (laughs) You know what? I I think I was worried about something but I'm not worried about it anymore. But if that doesn't happen, you share your care with Him. And here's what happens next. Remember the lesson of understanding. What's the first one? The lesson of nothing. Then the lesson of everything. Then the lesson of thanksgiving. And now the lesson of understanding. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's just now getting good. Why does the peace of God pass all understanding? Ask yourself that question. Think of the answer. Why does the peace of God pass all understanding? Here's the answer. Because when we are careful for nothing, and when in everything by prayer and supplication, and when with thanksgiving we make our requests known unto God, all the hurt that we carried to him, all the questions we brought before him, all the problems we cared about that made us come to him in prayer in the first, in the first place, don't magically go away. The problems will still be there. The hurt still stings. The questions still exist. And yet, for some reason, that we can't understand, for some reason, you might be able to say that is past our understanding. We have peace about those problems. We have peace even with the hurt. We have peace not knowing all the answers. And that kind of, that kind of peace doesn't come from man. That is only the peace of God only the peace of god can keep our hearts and our minds when we it's when we start seeking the peace of man that we lose heart and lose our minds we start thinking of all these things that we shouldn't think about that no child of god has any business thinking about we get caught in this whirlwind of care and fear we start how many of you can remember a time when you stood up from prayer with the peace of God in your hearts and then within a few minutes you start thinking about this and you start thinking about that? Well, what if that happens and what if this happens and I don't know about this and I don't know about that? I mean, the re- why God is so patient with us I have no clue. I mean, you stood up at 5.30 with the peace of God and now it's 5.33 and you are back down. You're back down in care. But that's what leads us to the next lesson. The last one. Remember the lesson of choosing. What's the first one? Remember the lesson of nothing. Then everything. Then thanksgiving. Then understanding. And the last one. Remember the lesson of choosing. Look in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I want you to remember something. As long as we live in this wicked world, it is gonna be filled with things that are false and dishonest and unjust and impure and unlovely and of bad report, bad news. The world is gonna be filled with bad news things that are unvirtuous, things that are unpraiseworthy. But let me say this, as long as God is alive, there are also going to be things that are true and that are honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report and virtuous and praiseworthy. But it's your choice what you're going to think about. What are you going to think about? That which is true or that which is false? Honest or dishonest, just or unjust, pure or impure? Good reports or bad reports? Virtuous or unvirtuous? Praiseworthy or unpraiseworthy? And of those choices, which one do you think is going to bring peace to you? And which one do you think is going to rob you of your peace? We will never have peace when we're thinking about wrong things. God says, think on these things. Verse 9 says, those things, which ye have both learned, and do you see that? How the last, the last two words of verse eight, these things, first two words of verse nine, those things, which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Do you want to know how to have the peace of God? Live your life in such a way where the God of peace can be with you. Verse seven talks about the peace of God. Verse nine talks about the God of peace. It is impossible to be with the God of peace without having the peace of God. And this comes full circle all the way to that first verse that we read. When the God of peace reigns in your heart, the righteous flourish. And peace, no, abundance of peace, so long as the moon endureth. And last I checked, the moon is still there. So why don't we have peace? Have you forgotten the lesson of nothing? Be careful for nothing. Have you forgotten the lesson of everything? If something is enough to make you care, it's enough to talk to God about. Have you forgotten the lesson of thanksgiving? This is the pair of wings that every prayer needs to go to heaven. Have you forgotten the lesson of understanding? That problems still come, hurts still stings, questions still linger, but somehow that peace of God will keep your hearts and minds. Regardless, have you forgotten the lesson of choosing? Don't lose heart and don't lose your mind by thinking on the wrong things. Think on these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. So, where is it at, Christian? What lesson have you forgotten? Many of us, and I didn't do it to trap you, many of us raised our hand and said we're careful about a lot of things right now, that we have a lot of worries, that we have a lot of fears. Maybe tonight your decision is I'm just going to take some time during the invitation coming forward or at my chair. I'd rather you come forward. I think the Lord would too. And just thank him for everything he's done because to be honest, I have no idea what else to pray right now. Can you thank him for something? Maybe you have forgotten the lesson of nothing or thanksgiving or understanding or choosing. You've been thinking about all the wrong things. No wonder you've lost your peace. Maybe your coworker is being untrue or spreading false things about you. Can you think about something that is true? Yes, every time you turn on the TV, there's bad news. There's some good news, too. God sent his only son to die on the cross so that we could go to heaven someday. That's some good news. Do you know you're saved? You can never